welcome back to the HBO Boys. Today we are discussing Succession, Season 4, Episode 7, entitled Tailgate Party, where everyone is doing fraud or is a fraud. It's it's generally fraud is what's happening. It's a fraud party with with extra fraud. Right, just and throw some American politics in there as well, which is always straight down the line, and there's no fraud to be had there either. So... It's just, it's just a bunch of crooked people in one room without Logan. This is the first tailgate party that we've had sans Logan. You might remember back, I think it was season one, where they basically just said Logan picks the next president as long as they're, not even as long as they're Republican. He just sort of has his finger on the pulse of who the next president's going to be because he controls the airwaves or something and he can just make that happen. But now that he's gone, will the rest of the world value Kendall and Roman plus their party as much as they did Logan? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, no. <nah. laughs> uh, what, a, what a good joke that was that you just said. <laughs> it was a what good a, joke. What a good joke. Yeah, no, they don't give a fuck about Kendall or Roman. Or any of their kids. They show up, kinda, but they have to be, and I'm, I'm talking particularly Nate, and he has to be asked to be there. He wasn't going to be there to begin with. This is all happening at Tom and Shiv's house, newly reconciled. Shiv now plus one scorpion because she got a party prezi from uh, Tom, and she was like, what's this for? And he was like, oh, it's a scorpion. And she's like, I know. I know it's a scorpion. Why? And he's like, I thought it was weird. I thought it was a weird thing to do, but I I suppose it's like on brand Tom. I don't know what that brand is doing weird shit with a smile on. Yeah, I would have preferred if when she asked what it means or what it's for, if he's like, for being a cunt, Shiv. That's why. (laughs) This is, you're you're my absolute miserable cunt wife. And this is a representation of that. So here you go. Congratulations. Maybe just be, like, psyched about the present. Right. I don't know. I gave you something, you fucking bitch. I hope that scorpion comes back to life and it stings you and you die. How about that? Anyway, I gotta go. Although you can't die because you already have no soul. The scorpion would probably sting you and the scorpion would die or something because you're so evil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's later. That's later. That's not yet. Right, right, right now they like each other. That's not going to last through the episode. Yeah, but you but can say they like each other, but Tom literally gave her a scorpion. Right. As a I don't know. I chalked that up to him being dumb. Fair, fair. He's just trying to like. He, they have this like jestful, bitey game playing rudeness to each other that's turning them both on. So he's just trying to be a dick, but he's like kind of incapable of being a dick, but also as we find out, very capable of being a dick too. Yeah. He's trying to, like, superficially treat her poorly, or at the the very least, like, be, like, be a pretentious dick because she somehow likes that. But this is sort of a a callback to form for him, where he gets her a weird scorpion, and I was like, that's, that's vintage Tom. That's not flick shiv in the ear Tom. Mm, That's, that's just dumb. Yeah, no, that's that, that, that's pushover Tom. Shiv, shiv don't like pushover Tom. Uh Uh-uh. After that, we see Kendall talk to his wife. Their daughter has gotten in a bit of trouble at school. And the newly baptized uh, Kendall just trying to take over the world one conversation at a time. This conversation doesn't go great, though, 
because once again, he's just trying to fix a problem while that's not exactly what was supposed to be going on here. It was supposed to be just two adults talking about a, a common thing they care about. And he's just like, who can I throw my phone at to make this better? And she's like, I, I don't. I'm walking away now, Dick Kendall. She, I, I love her performances. Uh, probably, gosh, season two and beyond. Because each scene that she's in is just a complete degradation of patience for mm-hmm. her character. <laughs> I just, yeah. she, the, the woman is doing a fucking crazy good job. Because I can't even, I can't even fathom having to deal with someone as stupid as fucking Kendall so close to me. <laughs> she was so patient during the times in which he was yacked up just straight in up drugs and alleyways. <laughs> and her patience, I believe, is still pretty high. She gets like one or two sentences Kendall says farther than I would have. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Before no. she was like, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. The nanosecond he would have replied to me, I would have just rolled, the eyes would have been rolling and I would have lost patience almost instantaneously. I would have lost consciousness. My eyes go back so far in my brain, they're just white and I'd fall to the ground. Yeah, Shabrava, Rava, show me the kid. I'll fucking beat him up right now if that would resolve it. Like, what? Like, I'll, I'll kick a kid. I'll kick a kid score in the chest. I'll break his ribcage. I don't give a shit. Fucking put a kid right in front of me right now. I will kick them in the goddamn groin. I'm dealing with the world, Rava. Come on. Rava. If that even is her real name. <laughs> Probably not. No. They then, the Sibs that is, sort of get together for a powwow to discuss who is going to talk at Logan's funeral. And then they sit down at a table and they don't order anything. And then they talk for a second. And then they all get <laughs> telephone calls and leave. Minus Shiv, who then has to make a telephone call based on the conversation because this is where they talk her into trying to get Nate there because they want to go over regulation issues that the potential sale might have, the one that they don't want to go through. But like, more so than anything, they sat down at a restaurant, didn't eat, didn't get anything to drink. How weird is that? I was like, you didn't even get apps yet. Why are you leaving? Yeah, that's just something my uh, peasant plebeian brain can't understand at all. Right. Because like, not only do I only go to restaurants usually to have a meal. Eat. But more specifically, or, or drink at the very least, but at specifically, the very least. they have a whole table. Like, I, I honestly, I, I went through a whole process during this sequence of being like, you didn't even fucking eat anything. What the <laughs> yeah, right. To, you know, I just, I am, en- I think I'm envious. I think I'm just I'm jealous. I'm poor to understand what just happened. My net worth prevents me from even fathoming anything that just happened before my eyes. And it makes me sad. when shiv does that call if they had kept going with that scene it didn't cut away i assumed it would be a uh, like a waiter walking over me and like and can i get you guys oh uh where did (laughs) where did everybody go and then she gets up doesn't talk to that person and just walks out yeah i mean it's just i wish (laughs) i wish i just want to do that now like but i i I am so terrified of being that rude especially the wait staff because they deserve the world yeah also, I'm hungry. What are we going to do now? Go somewhere else? I don't want to. That sounds far away. Let's eat right here. God, this is stupid. You can put me at a smaller table. I'm fine with that. If I was Jim, I'd be like, I'm still getting coffee. It's fucking nine in the morning. And they put them in the center of the room at the biggest fucking table they had, too. Yeah. I'd have been in, like, if I was in another party at a different table, I'd have been looking and be like, yeah, what, what the what fuck? What is going on? We waited for 20 minutes and they get, they, okay, whatever. 
After this, Greg is on firing people duty. He has like 60 people from across the world on a Zoom call just to read them a piece of paper and fire them while Tom leaves the room. Uh, Later, he would describe his ability to fire people as uh, second nature, just something that came to him really easily because he looks dumb, but he has an assertive notion up to him. There is a been, I think I said this last time, a lot on the internet where they are kind of roasting Greg and his place in this season. It's weird because, uh, you know, I'm doing this podcast about succession and I'm also doing one with Adam about Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso's Reddit is roasting that entire season. They they have ups and downs, but there's a lot of complaining. It's the majority of what's happening on the Ted Lasso Reddit is complaining. And I would say like Reddit's audience especially people who are talking about a TV show, don't represent the entire population of the show. They, I think they represent the loud, complainy portion of the internet and the world. So if the loud, complainy portion of the internet is positive about your show, that means on a grand scale, it's probably very positive. And if the loud, uh, violently complaining people are doing only complaining, that probably means like 50% of the audience who was there previously still feels positive about the show, but the other 50% have some gripes. The only gripe I'm seeing on Succession Reddit is about Greg and the fact that they just feel like he doesn't fit into this season at all. I've said this in the past. You immediately were like, I don't think that and it's wrong. Do you still feel that way? Um, So much so that it is uh, incapable of being quantified. Sure. (laughs) Okay. Um, because I even take the entire episode of Greg doing Greg things, even trying to schmooze people at the party and talking with Lucas, yada, yada. The scene where he's firing people and Tom gestures like he's crying face emoji wah, 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 <laughs> and leaves the room. The, the point at which it distracts Greg and he comes back to the paper and as he's he's already kind of delivered the message. People are obviously like looking around the room like they know they already know what's happening. And he goes like, yeah, so firing. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like he's in the middle of like a, like a quarterly finance call and he lost his spot on, on the, the, yeah. the PowerPoint slide. I don't know. I, I just love Greg's character. And I, I, I think I'm a little biased, obviously, judging by the Reddit portion and that being the complaint about the season. But I just I, his character, his actor, I just the, the comedy that comes out of Greg, I can't help but at least give a little chuckle each time he's on screen. If not, and literally at the point where he's ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ing through the, the little spiel he has on the paper. I mean, I'm audibly laughing. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I'm dumb with Greg, but that No, that no, I, I think, again, like those complaints are, they feel nitpicky. I think I fall in the middle exactly of it where from time to time, I do feel like he's not being used to his greatest potential just because there's no room for him maybe in the story that they've decided to tell. But also, I I liked him in this episode more so than the previous ones, for sure. So uh, he's on the uptick for me. And now we get to the party. And there are a bunch of storylines that are intertwining in this party. But I think I'm just going to go one by one in like a through line for each character because it might be (laughs) easier to keep track of. Number one is Tom. He is saying that he's tired a lot, like 
any chance he gets, he's like, I am wiped. Just uh, did, didn't get an ang- it. I'm tired. I got those, you know, the when the sandpaper is your eyes, that's, uh, yeah, that's how I feel right now. So I could really use some Betty by time. And that gets exasperated by the fact that when he's following Shiv around and after Nate arrives, they're sort of just joking. The entire party is just joking, snickering, looking at Tom across the way and thinking, boy, that boy is going to be fired. And not only just thinking it, but I mean, they're they're talking about it. Obviously, it's touched on later on in the episode. But I mean, right from the get go is it? I, I get his plight because Shiv put up zero defense. No, or any conversation they were in. They're like, yeah, you know, they're probably going to come in and, you know, wipe out the leadership at ATN. And she's like, yeah, especially my dumbass fucking husband. Right? <laughs> she might as well be poking him in the chest like you, dude. They're talking about you. <laughs> this guy right here, this bumbling idiot. So that happens over and over and over again. And it leads to a fight on the balcony. And <sighs> when they got on that balcony, Tom and Shiv, it feels like the fight that ends that relationship for good, but we'll see. It feels like they've had a few of them before, but none of them like this conversation exactly because they both just start going for the jugular as much as possible. Yes. I was thinking, though, Jesse Armstrong said out of all the episodes, episode eight next week's episode is going to be the most surprising or at least like most shocking of the season. Again, we've said in the past, he couldn't say three, right? He couldn't say Logan dying. Sure. Because this was an interview that was happening prior to the season because saying something happened in three would just make that less interesting when it did happen. But I was in my head like, okay, he said episode eight. So I don't think anything insane, insane can happen in seven. Like, I don't know. Tom jumping off this fucking <laughs> building because that <laughs> yep. was a little bit in the back of my head. I was like, I think it's a low, low, low percentage chance that one of them jumps off this building and kills themselves right now, but it's not zero. Honestly, the, when they, when he closes the slider on Shiv and she com- she comes outside, they cut to him. He just has this like look about his face and more specifically his eyes where I can't believe that you said that right in this moment too, because watching the episode, I was literally like, Oh no, is he he might, he might jump. He, he might. I've, right? seen that. <laughs> I've seen that look. That's a bad look. That's a bad one. And so just don't get, get, get away from the edge, sir. <laughs> like, do you think that relationship can be reconciled? But like, do you think they wake up the next morning and be like, boy, that was crazy. I don't. I, it feels like they're going to be at the funeral for Logan Roy and be, I don't know. I don't know if they've ever been like 100% mad at each other and 100% over this, but. If they're not, it would be it would be weird to me. I think Tom cries at the casket first mm. off. Like like I'm mm-hmm. fucking like complete breakdown balling. Really Please hard come back to me. Of tears. Just so many tears, so many so many wails. Just just absolutely filling the halls with with <laughs> sadness. Before we leave this conversation, though, the scene itself that's got to win something, right? There's there. There's got to be an award of some sort for specific scene and specific series of drama. But whoa, that shit was loaded. (laughs) Right. I assume it is the episode that gets put in for the Emmy for both Sarah Snook and Matthew McFadden. And if they both win from that scene, I wouldn't be surprised. None whatsoever. And more specifically, as they announce each of their like nomination for the award, 
this is 100% the scene yes. that is uh-huh. featured in a little bit. You know, <laughs> yes, you're name. 100% like, right. This is the video that they're showing for sure. Uh, the Again, Tom's lines, whoever is writing that, just so many, so many, so many, so many, so many kudos to that person. Um, I'm definitely going to butcher it because I didn't write it down. I wish I did. But uh, there was two things that he said that are of utmost noteworthiness was uh you're too transparent to be written about in a book uh fucking whew, just whew, yeah, okay so i'm i like i'm literally like store that in the memory bank for a future fight with someone in your life definitely for <laughs> sure second he tells her that he shouldn't he like she's not fit to have a kid he she shouldn't have children as eek as it's he a hint know, that dude. she's pregnant and also it is exactly what her mom said about herself to her earlier in this like it's oh my there's just so many levels to that whole sequence there it's just oh man floored floored after that scene for sure let's jump over to roman now he is meeting up with his siblings and having multiple conversations through this episode because matson shows up because shiv tells him to show up by the way let's all remember that shiv is on team matson although that might be floundering by the end of this episode as well. Roman is kind of a side character to Kendall and Shiv's schmoozing storyline. The moment we really get to drill down on him is when he has a conversation with Jerry where he was like, that firing? No, that wasn't you thought that was real? You're crazy, (laughs) dude. You're crazy. That's crazy. But it doesn't work because he wants her to be like, Listen, water under the dam, baby. Let's water let's, under under the dam. Okay, way under the way dam. under, like that's, all the way, like through the ground under. Even that's a weird reference. That's a Charlie Wilson's War reference. Anyone <laughs> that movie? No, no. That's why I yeah. was questioning it immediately because it sounded like something that I would say, like a heart thermometer or something. I would recommend watching the Philip Seymour Hoffman scene. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, <laughs> that's not that man's name. Wow. You get what I'm saying, though. I would watch that scene. Uh, where he breaks a window, he he remarks, someone says water under the dam to him, and he cannot stand it. Yeah, I almost can't either. I'm about to... No one can. I'm, I'm going to explode. So Jerry is like, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to basically sue you if you do anything other than pay me an exorbitant amount of money upon my exit. This is your final fuck up with me. And, but as she leaves, I don't know, the way she looked at him, and maybe I'm just way off base here. But I think her vibe was, I'm incredibly angry with you. You're a dick. You're going to pay me. There's like a 1% chance we might still hook up though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, she was, uh, and I think the final comment she made before the suing portion was that she has like hundreds and hundreds of pictures of his genitalia and all this stuff. But with the, she had like a look on her face when she's saying it that was like, I really don't want to, but you know, maybe what if? (laughs) Unless, question mark? (laughs) Shrug shoulders, unless? Yeah, who knows? Unless. There's about as much of a chance of them hooking up as Connor becoming president. Sure. Oh, sad. That's what we're talking about next, actually, because Roman is discussing with Connor throughout this. He has been asked by Jared Mencken, the Republican candidate, to drop out of the race as it's a very close race, and all of the Connor votes would most likely go to Mencken if Connor dropped out. This is very much like in the 90s when Ralph Nader would run Mm -hmm. and everyone would be mad at him because 
at some point he knew he wasn't going to win and then either party whoever won or whoever lost would be like it's nader's fault that this happened but nader was polling higher than connor is and so the fact that they want connor to drop out and get like his one to six percent he's doing very well in alaska to be fair (laughs) to get that is a little nickel and diming but perhaps that's what they have to do to win this election and so roman is kind of a in between between the menken campaign and connor saying how about you take these terrible places ambassadorships instead and oman is actually a place where connor goes to willa is like come on it would be pretty cool in Oman, and they kind of are on board with it. Yeah, the the comment from Connor too when they're having the initial discussion is like, "Let me check with my woman about Oman." I was like, "Yeah, so good. Man, come on, doesn't get much better." And I think it would have worked out. I think he would have actually taken it eventually. Although at the end, he does say like, "I've worked a little too hard, and I'm gonna stay in." And Roman now completely off kilter, totally tilted starts yelling at him, ripping into Connor, telling him he's a joke to his face, which is pretty fucking harsh. And Connor, I thought like Connor would be angry, maybe resort to violence. And if he did punch Roman, I wouldn't have been surprised or felt bad for Roman. I'd be like, yeah, that's what happens. Talk shit, get hit. But he doesn't. He stands up and says, you know, the one person in this room that doesn't think I'm a joke is saying this is what I should do, so I'm going to. And he's like the bigger man and walks away from his younger brother, whom, I don't know, as, listen, Justin, you have a brother, I have a brother. Mm, Yes. I don't know, in my house, (laughs) the rule talk shit get hit was, at least when we were younger for sure, a, a rule that we followed to the T. And I was kind of proud of Connor when I, when he didn't do anything. He just calmly said that, how about you fuck yourself? I'm going to do what I want. And then walked away. And I was like, that's my president. <laughs> I think for Connor in that moment too, is like, you have to keep in context is important with Roman as well, because he was essentially tortured as a kid, essentially like eating dog food and being locked in cages and stuff. So I think Connor has a not a sweet spot, but like a special place in his heart for Roman, at least. I think if Kendall was doing this to him, he would have gotten knocked the fuck out immediately. Yeah. But I think Connor is able to keep level-headed with Roman because he kind of feels bad for him. Right. One of them ate dog food and one of them ate cake for a week when his mom was institutionalized. It's like the same thing. He gets it. He gets he it. He gets it. Kendall is on a journey where he's trying to schmooze. He does a speech at the beginning that Logan would have done. He didn't say big shoes at the beginning of it, which was devastating to me. Yeah, no, that was probably one of the top 10 saddest moments of my life, I think. Yeah. Big shoes. <laughs> big shoes, baby. Nate is there. He talks to Matson. Matson seems to come off like a generally normal human being. And Nate, I don't know, he doesn't think Matson's complete bullshit, it feels, from that conversation with Matson and Shiv. And then he goes to talk to Kendall. And I think actually Kendall's sales pitch to Nate was better than Matson's was. It sounded uh, less like bullshit. Was that just me or? Uh, I don't know. They both sounded like bullshit. I think Kendall had the advantage of knowing Nate. So it kind of was like a closer friend. Hey, bro. 
how's it going? You know me. Here's the deal. Right. Let me just it spill it out. It did feel like he was talking to Stewie a little bit. Stewie. Oh, His friend Stewie. Stewie, yeah. Stewie. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, that does make sense. Now that I'm, now I'm connecting those. Yeah, it, w- it was an unfair advantage in Kendall's behalf, like I said, because Lucas is just sounding like a campaign spree to make people like him. So that was the gist of the conversation. And obviously, Nate took it well, but the the hey lot like longtime friend bro listen here's the here's the spiel and obviously that's going to be easier to receive than a uh, a pitch yeah but it still went bad True. so he had the upper hand but nate stopped him in the middle of the pitch basically and said i was told that i shouldn't be seen next to you because you you suck so i gotta go bye <laughs> Yeah, he's got a he's got bigger fish to fry, like a mackerel or a sea bass, perhaps, or an oarfish. I only know that from Animal Crossing, but it's all good. <laughs> I that caught was huge. I caught me some oarfish today. It was a it was a big day for me on my island. I gotta go to my island sometime, man. See what it's all about. I haven't been there in two years. I wonder if my island folk would just be like, "Where have you been? <laughs> We've been waiting for two years." At the town hall for you, the grass has grown in. No one's caught a mackerel in so long. Can we take these masks off? Like <laughs> We sort of didn't get an update from you post, I don't know, like June 2020. It was a tough time back then. I don't know if you remember. It's like a new uh, uh, storyline slash quest line where you have to update the town that the COVID policies have all been pulled back and you can take your masks off. but. There's certain situations where you should still wear them. They're like, yeah, it's been two years. And weirdly enough, like in your town, everyone is a COVID denier. <laughs> like you, know, you just <laughs> left them alone for two years and they're like, nah, we don't believe it's real. And then you have to be like, uh, it is for sure. But, uh, the world's gotten, this is going to be hard to explain where we are right now. <laughs> anyway, and they're like, look who decided to stroll back the old government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. My point of that, well, that was off topic, but Matson is schmoozing and then he gets very high and he is downstairs and talking to his COO and Ebba, his chief publicity officer, who he has his obvious problems with. And he is talking with Greg, who sort of walks up. Tom is there as well because he's trying to suck up to him but it's going poorly greg actually does a better job because he just forgets himself he doesn't know who he is as a person and he has no filter whatsoever which matson seems to like as he is about to have greg fire ebba again something that ebba fucking wants him to do do it so bad do it i feel bad for her so 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 much that is just ugh. that's tough Yeah, she does not want to be there. She says she has social anxiety and he goes on to put the spotlight on her in the middle of the party and have a stranger try to fire her. That sounds like so much fun. Sounds like a really cool boss. Yeah. She then goes outside and has a conversation with Roman and Kendall where she says that Gojo is actually having a little bit of an issue these days because the numbers in India are goofy a bit. And so Kendall is performing and executing fraud by saying that Living Plus is going to be much bigger than he ever thinks it can be and inflating numbers, at which point Matson judges him for it 
But it turns out Matson is knowingly defrauding his shareholders as well because the India numbers for his service are way under what they actually are. He says by next quarter, they'll be fine as long as we don't tell anybody it'll be cool. But also he's trying to do a 50-50 stock deal where the Sibs get 50% of what was Gojo stock and now is Gojo Waystar. And if half of India isn't actually a part of the Gojo service, that stock is half the worth of what he said it was. So he's defrauding his shareholders, defrauding the deal. That's some actual shit that can make a deal stop. And they know it now. Yeah. And I'm not too, I don't, I don't guess rank fraud, but Kendall's fraud is more along the lines of like pitch worthy. Like I'm trying to get this going like this. He's trying to bolster up the cost of his company by showing yes. this new idea. And, you know, he, he's over embellishing. He's lying about the future. Right. Whereas while Matt's is lying about right now, right now and previous to like this entire time that he was talking to Logan to those numbers were fucked up. So not only has he was he lying to Logan about this, he's lying to the public about it. And now he's lying to the siblings about it, which I don't know. I think that's way fucking worse. (laughs) Yeah. Kendall tells Frank about this sort of gets Frank on his side, which is positive to have. Uh, one more person. And also in that conversation, Frank said, okay, in the scenario that you're painting right now, what happens to Roman and Shiv? And very glibly, Kendall's like, yeah, 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 fuck those guys. It's gonna uh, be me, baby. Dude, that, it was funny too, because uh, Kristen and I had said that the theory about, uh, what's this, Kendall being, you know, like, sh- you know, shoving everyone out, backstabbing everyone in the company, things explode, he's the owner now. And he runs shit, but he's alone and miserable, just like Logan was. That that last scene, specifically when he's talking to Frank, there we literally just like look across the couches to each other. Just oh, oh, he's, do, <laughs> yeah. he's doing it. He's he's doing it right now. This all leads to a Kendall Matson public showdown where each of them are smiling, but telling the other one they know they're defrauding somebody or someone, and they are talking too loud. This was very cringy for mm-hmm. me. This was secondhand embarrassment. This was like, if I was at that party, I would have left in this moment. I was like, ugh, they're getting gross up there. I don't, (laughs) they're just kind of loudly talking at each other and both thinking that both are the smartest man in the room by far. It's just like the amount of ego, like how can we stand in that room anymore with both their fucking heads in it? Yeah, and also to add to Lucas's shittiness, something we glossed over in the conversation downstairs with the COO and Ebba, is Ebba telling them that basically Lucas is a total fucking fraud. He doesn't even know how to code. He basically just took a group of actual coders idea to market and sold it well, essentially. So that adds a whole another layer to that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could say, I think Alexander Skarsgård was asked about this and he said that he disagreed with the implication that Madsen is an outright fraud He describes the character as like adherent to Facebook's motto of move fast and break things and suggested that Matson's success was owed to his relentless nature. And so like, yeah, he can't code, but he is in his mind like Steve Jobs, who also couldn't code. He plays the orchestra as Michael Fassbender's version of Steve Jobs said in the the movie he played Steve Jobs in. So. Skarsgård says he's not a fraud, 
and his success wasn't an accident and wasn't luck. He was relentless. That's how it got here. And I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, right? Like there is a lot of examples in America specifically of failing upwards and faking it till you make it. Just like a lot of times where you meet someone who is in charge of hundreds of people and you're like, how did you get here? Because this feels like who let this happen? Oh, yeah. And those people, you know, whether by luck or closing their eyes and running through as many walls as possible, that's where they are. And that's what Skarsgård says of Matson. Do you think there is an inkling of truth to that? Or do you think both Skarsgård and Matson are full of shit completely? I'm inclined to believe and at least absorb and accept what Skarsgård says about the character. But I think, I think, I, I don't think it's total bullshit, but I think that the line is being drawn between Kendall and Lucas at this point where they're just, like you said, closing your eyes, tilting your head down and running forward through walls. Right. So I, and that scene where they're both just, just talking at the top of their lungs at each other when they're like two feet apart, I think is like a, is a really good like depiction of, of that dynamic that's happening right now. Both of them being so cringy, dude. It's gross. It's, it was hard to watch. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's a complete fraud. Like you said, he's like, Oh yeah, he can't, code i think he probably knows code to a certain degree but not to the point at which a he's bolstered that he does and b probably to the point of which someone in his position should know how to code but he's like you said just fake it you make it baby we then after that go to the ultimate scene of the episode the one we've already discussed where shiv and tom yell at each other and i as the audience hope one of them don't jump off and then Tom goes back inside and does something very funny. I thought I laughed out loud where he was like, okay, okay, get the fuck out. Not kidding. Not kidding. Leave now. Thank you. Bye. What made it 10 times funnier than it probably was initially is just that the general vibe of the party is literally like, <laughs> okay, yeah. Good, He's good crazy. You're a good joke. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a kooky guy. <laughs> He's so kooky. Gonna get fired, I heard. Yeah, that, well, that's the guy that's gonna get fired. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's no yelling. Wonder. Oh, no, he's mean. He means it. Okay. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Bring the champagne. We, we got to go. <laughs> I don't think anybody's leaving, by the way. I think they stayed there the whole night. I'd like to think that. I know. I think they left. Because like the, the next final scene... two sequences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the next scene is both of them, Shiv and Tom, alone in bed. Both of them looking sad and feeling sad. And what's the rest of my life going to be? And boy, that thing Tom said did feel a lot like what my mom said. Oh, and I'm pregnant and he doesn't know it. And Tom is like, I should, how am I going to, am I going to live here anymore? <laughs> when are these people going to leave? They won't, it's so loud still is what I think I like, I'd like to think was happening in that yeah. scene too. <laughs> and then Shiv's like, you also it. leave, by the way. <laughs> Pretty sure. Who's, who's uh, name do you think that apartment's in? I bet it's Shiv. Uh, if I'm guessing, true. I bet it's Shiv. And then that comes to the end of the episode. Uh, next week is America Decides. On election night, Tom tries to manage an increasingly chaotic newsroom while Kendall, Shiv, and Roman spar over the consequences of the results for themselves, the company, and the country. Again, Jesse Armstrong says that this is going to be a doozy and a oh shit moment is going to happen. And I truly, uh, if it's not Connor winning, which I feel like is just not logistically possible, I cannot even begin to imagine what that oh shit moment is. And that's very cool. That means the writing is good enough where we've gotten here. I know something's going to happen, but I can't even begin to like, 
What do you, do you know what's going to happen? Like, I don't. I do, actually. Oh, shit. What is it? Uh, Logan was actually just asleep this whole time. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you, dude? God, I don't want that to be the thing Surprise. that's happening. No. Church and State is episode nine. I assume that that means it is the funeral episode. And it has to happen then if he's actually alive. And I don't want that. By the way, episode 10, the finale's episode, now has a title. With open eyes. Oh, Kendall Reborn again? With eyes wide open. <laughs> Something like that, Something right? Like that. Some Creed, Scott Stapp. Something about, a lot about Scott Stapp. A lot about, Scott Stapp, that's the surprise. Scott Stapp is president next time. Not even, the entire episode is just Creed's greatest hits music videos from the 90s. And then at the end, it turns out that like a St. Elmo's fire situation where succession has just sort of been a fever dream of Scott Stapp. <laughs> you fucking won't. Jesse Armstrong, you won't. Go reshoot Pussy, it and make do it. it. Do it right now. You still have two weeks. So what was your overall vibe on this episode? How did it compare to the rest of the season? And when it was over, did you have... I'm not even going to say negative. I'm going to be like positive or very positive. That's where this show is falling for me now. It's either a good episode or a great episode. It, it, there hasn't been a bad one in season four. Yeah, I think the best way I can kind of sum up my feelings in the episode is obviously we're not dealing with good or bad at this point because they're, they're really knocking it out of the park. It seemed like a filler episode, mm -hmm. kind of like the gist of how it started, which again, it's not like a complaint, but it was something where I was like, okay, a bunch of shit has to happen. We're going to get there. But you get... Matson and Kendall's conversation, Roman and Jerry's conversation, the we find out that the numbers are all flubbed in India, and then we have Tom and Shiv's argument. I in retrospect, like in the moment, it kind of felt like, oh yeah, like you know, Jesse Armstrong said the next episode is gonna be so crazy. Looking forward to that, you know, when it faded to black and whatnot. But in retrospect, I I think this was a like a very strong episode, like top 15 of the whole yes. series. Surprisingly, it is the second highest rated episode for the fourth season on IMDb currently. I felt that exact way. It felt like throughout and while watching it that I wouldn't say filler. I'll just say this is a bottle episode purposely right. where this is the beginning of the rocket taking off and they had to lay the foundation for what the end of the season was going to be. And because they had all characters all in the same place at the same time, they just did it all at once. But I think they did it gracefully. And then you got to the end. And then with retrospect, like you said, 24 hours later, I felt very differently than how I felt right when it ended. I was like, right when it ended, I was like, that was a lot of exposition. Yep. That was just a lot of setting things up where, yes, now we can go full speed to the end of this season because. We have the basis for everything that's about to happen. But then 24 hours later, like you said, there are just a lot of moments that were so memorable and way more memorable than I thought they were going to be. The Tom and Shiv conversation, I think the pinnacle of that and absolutely a moment that I'm going to remember looking back on this season of television. So I agree. I think it was a really great episode. I'm so amped up for next week. Yeah, and dude. I want America to decide and then I want for me to decide that this is the best show in the world again, like I do every week uh, and feel better and better and better about how I think it's going to end, which is as the best television show ever made. We just got three more, baby. Just three, three more. more. 
We can do this. We can do this together as a group. With the power of friendship. Yeah. And uh, the power of Christ. Compels Compelling you. this show forward into the fucking stratosphere, baby. Let's go. Buy stock now. It's going to the moon. The moon. Diamond hands, baby. Diamond hands. Okay, bye. Farewell. Yeah. Six, 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 six.